Welcome to the weekly podcast at Second Ponce de Leon Baptist Church. My name is Doc Hollingsworth. I'm senior pastor of this great congregation, and we're delighted that you've joined us. Our prayer for you is that as you listen to this message, you might feel closer to God and closer to God's hope for you. Good morning. I'll be reading two passages this morning. The first is from 1 Timothy 3, 8 through 13, and that's uh, page 964 in your pew Bible. The second is Acts 6, 1 through 6, which is page 889 in your pew Bible. 1 Timothy 3, 8 through 13. Deacons, likewise, must be serious, not double-tongued, not indulging in much wine, not greedy for money. They must hold fast to the mystery of the faith with a clear conscience. And let them be first tested. Then, if they prove themselves blameless, let them serve as deacons. Women, likewise, must be serious, not slanderers, but temperate, faithful in all things. Let deacons be married only once, and let them manage their children and their households well. For those who serve well as deacons gain a good standing for themselves and great boldness in the faith that is in Christ Jesus. Acts 6, 1 through 6. Now during those days when the disciples were increasing in number, the Hellenists complained against the Hebrews because their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution of food. And the 12 called together the whole community of the disciples and said, it is not right that we should neglect the word of God in order to wait on tables. Therefore, friends, select from among yourselves seven men of good standing full of the spirit and of wisdom, whom we may appoint to this task, while we, for our part, will devote ourselves to prayer and to serving the word. What they said pleased the whole community, and they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and the Holy Spirit, together with Philip, Prochorus, Nicanor, Timon, Parmenas, and Nicholas, a proselyte of Antioch. They had these men stand before the apostles who prayed and laid their hands on them. There are two times a year that I basically preach the same sermon I preached that date the year before. One is when we have All Saints Sunday, and I preach about the great cloud of witnesses and what changes each year are the images brought to us by those in our company who joined that great cloud of witnesses. The other time is Deacon Ordination Sunday, in part because it's an abbreviated sermon to make time for the central part of worship, which is the laying on of hands. So with a budget of only a few words, I realized a few years back I'd said what I wanted to say about deacons, 
So I'll just say it every year. Maybe they'll get it after a while. So if some of this sounds familiar, it just means you were paying attention last year. It will not surprise you to know that I'm a little bit of a word nerd. I love words, which is probably a good thing for a preacher because words are to a preacher what a toolbox is to a carpenter and a, and a baseball glove is to a shortstop. It is what we need to make a living. But my love of words drives Melissa a little bit crazy because I'm always, I correct people on television, and that's a little annoying, I can see. The grocery store line that says 10 items or less, it is not 10 items or less, it is 10 items or fewer. That drives me crazy, and I let everybody know that it drives me crazy. So I annoy Melissa with my obsession with language. But I love words because I have such respect for their power. It's like piddling with explosives. So words demand our very best care. Did you notice that in Genesis, God does not stir up a potion to create? God speaks. Language has the power to create, to hurt, and heal, and transform. I love the power of language. But I still recognize that language has limits. <coughs> and when we try to reach higher than language, we use symbols. <coughs> Have you ever been to the funeral of a veteran and seen the presentation of the American flag to the widow? It is long and silent and gorgeous, and it's reflective and deliberate. All the precise turning and folding, and it's silent until that soldier takes the, the flag and drops to one knee and looks into the eyes of the widow wearing black and says, on behalf of the President of the United States. Just moving. Because sometimes when language gives out, you've got to move to symbols. The baseball record that many said would never be broken was Lou Gehrig's 2,130 consecutive games. But on September 6, 1995, Cal Ripken Jr. broke the record. It was followed by a sustained 20-minute ovation. It is probably the longest ovation in sports history. Fans from both cities, Orioles and Angels, stood and clapped their respect for 20 minutes. And later... Atlanta's own Henry Aaron presented Cal Ripken Jr. with his Atlanta Braves jersey because words were not enough. Symbol. It was a wordless expression of his esteem because when words fall short, we use symbols. 
And each January when we ordain deacons, my sermon is short and simple overview of the biblical precedent for this tradition. And then we move to symbol. We lay hands, conferring centuries of tradition and blessing, the power of symbol that reaches higher than words. But first, some words about the institution of deacon ministry. The early church had a problem. The church demands were growing beyond the resources of the 12 apostles chosen by Jesus. Things were getting neglected. Widows who didn't have enough to eat were not getting taken care of, for instance. So, the early church called a meeting. That's what we do, right? We call a meeting. They called a meeting and deliberated and decided that the 12 apostles ought to stay with the core aspects of their calling. The original 12 were doing apostolic work, but they were at risk of losing focus because of these increasing and legitimate demands on the growing system. And they came up with an inspired answer to the problem. The disciples would continue doing disciple things, preaching and baptizing and adding new believers, but they would elect a new group of leaders to do the important work of congregational care. They needed a group who would quietly and lovingly check on the widows, distribute food to the hungry, lead the church's ministry of caring. But this work was too important for a show of hands. They weren't going to just put something in the bulletin and say, hey, if you want to be a deacon, come up after church and let us know. It was too important. And these deacons, they called them, which translates servants, these servants were going to represent the church. They were going to represent the cause of Christ. They were going to model for other believers what day-to-day discipleship looks like, what abundant living looks like. So the disciples went into a back room and prayed and deliberated and wrote drafts of a job description and they crumbled them up and threw them away and wrote some more and prayed some more and finally came up with the qualifications to be a deacon in Christ's church to be people of good standing, filled with the Spirit, full of wisdom. And there were seven. Seven in their company were seen to embody the attributes of character, the traits of service that would qualify them to care for the least and the lost without letting anybody feel like they were least or lost. And the names of the seven chosen, Stephen, Philip, Prochorus, Nicanor, Timon, Parmenas, and Nicholas. And chances are you're familiar with maybe two of them at most. Which is exactly the point. Most of these leaders never have their name mentioned again anywhere in Scripture. 
Because they didn't sign on for headlines or power. They signed on to serve. Diakonos. Servant. So this is the charge for you, Julie, and to all of our other deacon leaders to model for us the servant way. The church's most effective deacons are the ones who are regularly occupied with who they can call and who they can bless and who they can serve and who they can care for today in the name of Christ and His church. The spiritual leadership of this church has seen these attributes in you. And we are charging you to teach us how to love, how to serve, and what really abundant life in Christ looks like day to day. And as a way of consecrating this holy and important decision, And conferring blessing, the apostles laid hands on the seven who were chosen to serve. And this first century symbol has carried forth all through the years to this day. So, following the hymn of response, by the way, the hymn of response is exactly what it sounds like. Respond as you feel led. You might want to join the church this would be the time to come up and say so. But after the hymn of response, Julie, we're going to invite you to take this seat here and invite all ordained clergy and deacons from any church, denomination, or tradition to come along this side and come, come this way to lay hands and bless. The power, as I have said, is in the symbol you might want to say one sentence of blessing. If you want to say more than one sentence, write a letter. <laughs> if you got a lot to say, take Julie to lunch. But the power is in the laying on of hands. I would also ask, in this beautiful and sacred time when we're watching people come by, that everybody in the congregation would be in prayer. For Julie, for the other deacon leaders, for the church, for God's continued blessing on the enterprise we're about trying to embody Christ's love in the world. Thanks for joining us. If you live in the Atlanta area or visiting Atlanta, come and worship with us in person on Sundays at Second Ponstelian Baptist Church.